Hi guys, and welcome back to the Mystery and Comedy Old Time Radio Podcast. Please welcome to the show this morning to chill our spines, Miss Elizabeth Eric. Miss Elizabeth Eric started her career out in the early 1930s, appearing on the Broadway stage before getting her big break in the old time radio performance theater. Miss Elizabeth Eric went on to appear in many shows such as Inner Sanctum Mysteries, Suspense, Lux Radio Theater, Murder at Midnight, and many others. But what a lot of people may not know is that Miss Eric also wrote and starred during the 1970s radio performance of the CBS mystery radio show. Until the late 1970s when she retired from acting and writing, she enjoyed her retirement until passing away in 1993. But today Miss Eric comes to the show to chill our spines. In this first episode, which was the very first time I ever heard an old time radio show in 2015, it comes from the Murder at Midnight radio show. In this, Miss Eric plays a woman named Helen who is dreaming one night and then all of a sudden wakes up from a frightful nightmare that wakes her husband and then she and her husband tell talk about the nightmare and it's not revealed to her until later on that her husband is actually having an affair with the woman in their dream and it is called Nightmare and in the second episode Miss Eric plays a another married woman who is trapped in a double relationship with the man who is who she is having an affair with so her and the man come up with an idea she has the idea that if he, her husband can die suddenly that she and him can be loved and be together forever. They end up accomplishing their goal, but they are tortured every day by the talking dummy which the man who Miss Eric is sleeping with thinks that the man that he killed is possessed by the dummy and it is called it's a deadly dummy and it appeared on the old time radio show Inner Sanctum Mysteries and in this final episode Miss Eric plays 
yet again another married woman who is plotting her revenge against her husband. Her husband is, her and her husband are well-known doctors of psychiatry and psychology. And they end up marrying. But what he does not know is that a poem that his wife has been reading to him over and over again finally has some meaning for her. So she begins to plot her revenge and gets back at him for killing her sister. And it is called Till Death Do Us Part. I hope you guys enjoy Miss Eric and her performance on the show for this morning. Please join me later on tonight, guys, as I bring to the show Mr. Bob Hope in two episodes guaranteed to chill, tickle our funny bone. And once again, guys, always remember to enjoy the show. Thanks. Don't make me... I say yes. It's got to be. And now and here, she's got to die. Betty. I say yes. Here. I'll hold her arm. All right, Betty, but... No, 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 don't. I don't want to die. Midnight. The witching hour when the night is darkest. Our fears the strongest. And our strength at its lowest ebb. Midnight, when the graves gape open and death strikes. How? You'll learn the answer in just a minute in Nightmare. of Mystery and Terror by Radio's Masters of the Macabre. Our story by Joseph Ruskall is one of the most terrifying and fantastic nightmares we've ever heard. Its title, Nightmare. get some sleep. Oh, thank heaven. Oh, it was... must have been just a dream. Oh, thank the Lord. 
Oh, Ernie, it was so real. I dreamed somebody was leaning over me just now with a pillow. Oh, it was horrible. They were trying to smother me to death. And, and Ernie... Yeah? It was you. What? Oh, <laughs> oh that's a beaut. Uh, where's the light? Oh, I kissed you back. Why, why, you poor, foolish little... Come here, Butch. I'll kiss you back. No, me. no, don't touch me. Keep away. Huh? What is this? That pillow in your hand. Oh, for crying out, Bells. Can't I even straighten it out? <laughs> Sorry, dear. Gee... Don't mind me, but that, that horrible nightmare, it seemed so real. Oh, darling, wasn't that crazy? You, the sweetest, gentlest husband in the world. Well, then why... Oh, Ernie, now please, don't look so hurt. Now I can't even look hurt. I just murdered my wife in her sleep, didn't I? No, you were just about to. I mean... I... Oh, no, what the... Everything's happening tonight. <laughs> Hello. What? Who? Wrong number. And what's more, this is a heck of a time to be ringing. Why, what a nerve. <laughs> On a night. Thought maybe that was the police you phoned in your dream. Now will you go to sleep? Ernie Kraft, I'm sure I didn't mean to insinuate anything. I was just telling you my dream. You asked, didn't you? Oh, you're a character. I guess I'll have to put you in that book I never wrote, too. <gasps> well, now what? That was in it, too. Huh? That book you never wrote. You've nagged about it so much, no wonder. Oh, and that look when you bent over me like a madman. Oh. Ernie, what on earth do you suppose made me have a nightmare? That's easy. You would insist on eating hamburgers after the show tonight. Yes, I did, didn't I, when we got out of the movies. Hamburgers, of course. Ernie, they were part of my dream, too. Hamburgers. Oh. Ernie, stop punching on that pillow, please. All right, all right. Go ahead, then. Better tell me your dream, all of it. Neither of us will sleep until you do. I'll just light this butt. Now, oh, let's have it. Gruesome details. Well, I don't know if I can remember now. It was all so hazy and terrifying. Well, what happened before I smothered you with a pillow? A crazy quilt. Something about your job, and I was a millstone around your neck, and hamburgers, and you hated me, and July 15th. July 15th? Yes, I can't imagine what that meant. Look, look, start at the start. Why did I decide to murder you? Because of that other woman, your secret love. Huh? You promised her you'd kill me tonight when I was asleep. My secret love? Yes, she had you in her spell. Oh, that's kind of bad casting, isn't it, Butch? I'm the dish, dishes and dustpan type, remember? In the five years we've been married, have I ever looked I at know, another... I know, I know. I told you it was a crazy dream. Maybe you want me to eliminate my one night a week out, too. My Saturday gin rummy with the boys. Oh, no. Uh, who was my secret love? Did she uh, have a face? <laughs> well, this is the silliest part of it, Ernie. It's absolutely ridiculous. It was that girl, Betty Daniels. Betty Daniels? <laughs> Who's she? You remember that tall, dark-haired artist I introduced you to at Cape Cod last summer? Cape Cod? At the exhibition. No, I don't... Oh, wait a minute. Trousers, <laughs> long cigarette holder, yes. very intense. Yes, very intense. But what the devil... What was she doing in your dream? We said hello to her, we walked off, and that was that. Uh, casual. Yes, I know. I already remember her myself. I can't imagine why I dreamt of her. Why? No, no, don't. no don't touch me. Don't. No. 
dream. Awful dream. So crazy. And yet it seemed to be telling me something, warning me. Strange and weird. You know how dreams are. First thing I remember is Provincetown and us looking at the art exhibition just the way we did last summer. Only now the picture was about ten feet tall and hanging crooked. And then she came along. Betty Daniels. Just the way she did then. Hello, Helen. And I introduced you the same as I did then. Only not exactly the same. Like in a dream. You know... Silly. Betty Daniels, this is my husband, Ernest. He is very faithful to me. How do you do? How do you do? We've never met. That's a marvelous Goya painting, Helen, don't you think? Or do you prefer hamburgers? Well, I... My wife prefers hamburgers, Miss Daniels. Oh. Oh, I didn't know. Only after a movie, though. Anyway, I'm sure I can't tell one painting from another. My husband's the art lover in the family, I guess. And I just tag along for the fish. Only I don't like fish. I like hamburgers. I know. You don't wear trousers like I do. You're fluffy. Betty and I met on the beach journey. She's a painter. Our rowboats got tangled. That's how we met. Yes, it was all very casual. I hardly remember. Well, well. Ernie and I are going back to New York today. Isn't that a shame? I wish you two wouldn't stare at each other so. Well, we better run along, Helen. Lots of packing to do. Ernie has got to get back to his silly old job. He's a reporter. A reporter? Shouldn't he write a book he never wrote? Well, imagine. That's what he always says. Well, goodbye. I'm wondering why I'm thinking of you now. Goodbye. Goodbye. sort of dissolve into each other like a kind of dream movie and I'm trembling with fright because I have a feeling I know how the plot's going to end the next thing I remember Ernie I'm in a penthouse apartment on Park Avenue everything zigzag even the butler and I'm the maid Helen there and what I'm doing is turning pages for Betty Daniels while she plays the piano for you Ernie isn't that crazy? Neither of you hardly notice me at all. And I keep trying to open my mouth. Uh, 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 like that. But it's stuck. And I'm absolutely frozen at what I overhear. Darling. Yes, Butch. Love our loveness. Out of this world. Ah, this is heaven. Ernie, do you ever call your wife Butch? Never. What gave you that idea? I hate the very sight of her. She's really a little ignoramus. You're telling me she prefers hamburgers. Ernie, do you think she suspects yet? Of course not. She thinks I'm at a gin rummy game. Darling, you're blind, but she's not. She knows. She knows? How? How'd she find out? You may go, Helen. Helen, do you hear me? Why don't you go? Answer me. Have you lost her tongue? Oh, well, there's murder in the air. How'd she find out, Betty? Tell me. Darling, do you suppose she doesn't know what happened last summer in Provincetown? After we all said goodbye, you came to look for your cigarette lighter. She knew you hadn't lost your lighter, that you'd come back to ask me for my New York telephone number. Uh, 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 she knew? Of course, intuition. She knows we've been having a secret affair ever since. Uh, 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 I can't go on like this. I'm tired of being just a gin rummy excuse. Ernie, if you love me, you'll, you'll do what I promised. But I pity her so. Don't be a fool. 
Isn't it her fault you never wrote that book you never wrote? It's true. She wouldn't let me give up my job. She's a millstone around my ah, neck. Ah. And get rid of her, Ernie. Get rid of her, and I'll bring your genius to the world. I've plenty of money, and you can, you can give up reporting and write that book. Fulfill your destiny. Fulfill my destiny. Oh, Betty, you'll help me. Yes. But only if you forget July 15th. You'll forget about July 15th. It won't mean a thing to you from now on. Not a thing. I promise. And you'll do away with it. The way I told you. Yes. Like you told me. The pillow. The pillow. Uh, 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 uh. Don't let her hear. Just look at her standing there at the piano. You've been spying on us, Helen, haven't you? Haven't you? Answer. Have you lost your tongue? Oh, don't try to fool us. We know you're the real Helen and, and not the maid. She's heard everything you've said, Ernie. So we'll have to kill her now. Unless, unless she gives me a divorce. Will you give him a divorce? Answer or we'll finish you right now. Hey, well. Here's the pillow, Ernie. Right now. I'll hold her on. Answer, Helen. Don't make me do it. Answer, Helen. I pity you, but I hate you. Let her cry. Look at her. Stricken dumb. Her mouth's moving, but she's not saying anything. What are you trying to say? Helen, please don't make me do it. Will you give me a divorce? Tell me. Tell me. Ernie. Ernie, stop. Fools we are. Do you want her body found here? Hang for it. She's got to die. She's got to... No, no, not here. Not like this. There must be some other way. Later tonight, Ernie, after the movies. Hamburgers. She'll get hungry for hamburgers. She's bound to. The waiter will ask her how she wants them. That'll give you the clue. And then, when she's asleep... <laughs> and they'll find her in her bed. <laughs> the perfect crime. Don't you see, Ernie? Hamburgers. A frightened girl reliving a dream that was more terrible than any reality. A dream that could even become more terrible as the clock on the mantel takes on and the hands draw closer to 12 o'clock and... Murder at midnight. <laughs> Now, back to Murder at Midnight and Nightmare. Well, let's hear the rest of this dream of yours, Helen. What happened after that? Well, it was after that that it really got bad. It was so crazy, but so real. I don't know what stopped you, Ernie. Kept you from killing me then, but you didn't. And still, I knew you were going to. You dragged me out into the street and then into a movie and then out again. And I looked at you, and you were crying because you'd made up your mind to finish me off when we got home. You should have let me write that book, Helen. You should have. And I kept crying, I love you, Ernie. Don't kill me, please don't kill me tonight. But I've got to. I've got to. I pity you, but I've got to. And you pulled me along through the streets again. I was terrified. And then I saw a policeman, and I cried to him, Officer! Yes? What is it, lady? Please save me. My husband here wants to kill me. Oh, who wants to kill you? Eh? <laughs> Why, that's a crime. 
<laughs> a felony. Oh, why are you joking? Don't joke about it. Do something, please. I'm frightened to death. Don't pay any attention to her, officer. She's dreaming. I'm not. Don't believe him. He wants to wait till I go to sleep tonight. And then as soon as I fall asleep... Oh, come to... now, lady. He wouldn't do it to you in your sleep. Why, you're cute. Not in her sleep now. Would you, mister? Of course not, officer. Not in her sleep. As a matter of fact, we're stopping off first for a hamburger. She's hungry. No, 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 I'm not. I mean, I am, but I don't dare. I'm starving, but I don't dare. He's just waiting for me to order one, officer, to see what I'll say. And then he'll take me home and kill me. Oh, 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 oh. lady, stop. Sure, and you're breaking me hard. <laughs> Come along, dear. No, no, officer, please protect me. Don't let him take me, please. Come along, I say. Darling. And then we were in the little lunchroom in our neighborhood, around the corner from our house, sitting on stools. The counterman came over to us. He winked at you, Ernie, and you winked back at him, and he said... Evening, folks. What do you have? You looked at me, but I shook my head. I shook my head, and the tears were streaming down my face. I tell you what, Joe. Make it two hamburgers. <laughs> right. Rare, medium, or well? Medium, Joe. Make mine medium. Right. And the little lady? How do you have yours, Helen? How do you like yours? <laughs> Make hers medium, too. Two hamburgers, medium. Two medium, coming out. And what do you have on them, folks? Relish or onion? Relish. Make mine with relish, Joe. Right. And the little lady? Man's talking to you, Helen. How do you have yours? Answer him, I say. Answer him. This is it. How'll you have you? No, I won't tell him. If I do, you'll know. You'll know how to do it, so I won't tell him. I won't. The next thing I dreamt, we were home again, sitting in the parlor, everything exactly the same, Ernie, just like tonight before we went to bed. But in my dream, I was sitting paralyzed, in a cold sweat, waiting for the word, the word from you that meant my death. Oh. Butcher, I guess we better hit the hay. What do you say? What do you say, darling? No, uh... Wait, I, uh... Ernie, did I tell that counterman how I wanted my hamburgers served? Of course, I... dear. What did I say? I can't seem to remember. Oh, I forget to... Come along to bed. No, no, I don't want to go to bed yet. Please don't make me go to bed. I'm scared. Helen! <laughs> Come to bed, darling. Like a good little girl. Hmm? We went to bed. And then you said... And now, lights out, eh? I tried to think of everything I knew to keep awake. I wondered whether I ought to count to a hundred or whether counting would put me to sleep. I tried not to count, but I felt myself getting sleepier and sleepier. Sleep, honey? I heard, but I pretended not to. I fought to keep my eyes open. I knew I would die if I closed them. Asleep, Butch? I didn't answer. I couldn't if I wanted to. I was so scared. And then pretty soon I heard you stirring ever so quietly. And in a moment you were leaning over me. Oh, Ernie, I know it was just a dream, but it was so real. And there was hatred in your eyes, and there was a pillow in your hand, and I knew you were going to do it right then, and I... <laughs> oh, 
Oh, oh, oh, oh, oh, that's a beaut, that's a honey. Oh, my aching back. Darling, when you have a nightmare, you sure do it up golden brown and creepy. Wasn't it crazy? Oh, darling, wasn't it mad? Oh, oh, oh wait till I tell it around the office tomorrow. Oh, 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 this is too good, dear. But, Ernie, how does a person have a horrible dream like that? What does it mean? Oh, it's a cinch. I'll interpret it for you. And without a dream book, you too. You will? Well, go on, then, Ernie. Tell me. Okay, then here it is. First of all, a dream always means the opposite, right? You ever hear that? Yes, I have. That's right, it does. Which means I must love you simply awful. Granted? <laughs> <laughs> Granted, silly. But, goodness, what about the rest of it? Easiest thing in the world. Darling, where'd we go tonight? To a movie. What kind of a movie? It was a, a murder story. <gasps> Gee, that's right. Do you think that was... Now, don't interrupt, Butch. Who was starring in the movie? Betty Davis. Repeat the first name. Betty. And the villainous in the dream, my secret love, the girl we met last summer, was also Betty. Betty Daniels. Oh! Well, that gave you Betty on the brain when you went to sleep tonight and movies and murder and those hamburgers you did stop to eat after the show wrapped up the whole sequence. And no wonder, they're still lying on my stomach, too. <laughs> what was the pillow doing in it? Sweetness and light, what were you talking about early this evening? That chore you intend to get after someday? Oh, yes, I've got to stuff the pillows. They're caved in the way the feathers have come up. Right, that's your pillow you had on the brain, which uh, which brings me back to the hamburgers. Yes, I was going to ask you, I mean, that nonsense of how did I want my hamburgers, what did all that mean, for heaven's sake? Precious, how did you order your hamburgers done tonight? Remember? No, I can't recall. Oh, of course you can. Think now. How do you almost always order your hamburgers? I'm smothered in onions. Oh, Ernie, of course. Smothered in onions. Smother, pillow, smother with a pillow. Yes, Jackie. Oh, my heaven sakes alive. Oh, my gosh. So that was it. <laughs> oh, if that doesn't be... Ernie, that was wonderful. Really. The way you did that, figured that all out. I think you'd make a terrific detective. Yeah, so I'm a police reporter. Close enough. <laughs> Darling... It's made me think, though, about maybe I have been a little bit selfish. What do you mean? Well, that book you always wanted to write. Maybe I ought to, to let you give up your job and try. Oh, and have us both starve? Nuts. Anyway, in my sane moments, Helen, I've always known the truth. I'm no writer. If I had it in me, it would have come out of me, job or no job. I could go back to work again, you know. I could take up nursing again. It was pretty hard, no, but no, I... No, no, nonsense. I won't have it. I won't say any more about it, and that's fine. You're a swell guy, though, Butch. So offer to. Oh, there was one thing more, Ernie. Hmm? Yeah? What do you suppose that was... That was all that about July 15th, about your forgetting July 15th. What did that mean, you know? Yeah. Don't you? Well, no, I can't. It does seem familiar, but I can't seem to... Where are you going? Get something out of my wallet. Wait a minute. What's the date of our anniversary, Helen? Hmm? Uh, July 15th, of course. Tomorrow. What was that? Right. You've had that on the brain, too. Oh. Here. Little present for you, darling. Oh, what on earth? <gasps> Tickets. Two railroad tickets to Montreal. Right again. We're taking an anniversary trip. I wanted to surprise you when you woke up, but, well, anyway, happy anniversary, baby. Oh, 
Ernie, oh, you great big precious darling. How can I ever? You didn't forget. You always did before, but this time you didn't. Oh, Ernie, I just can't stand it. First that dream and then finding out that it did me just the opposite. No, 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 Helen, don't. It's don't. so sweet of you. I'm so thrilled. Montreal, where we had our honeymoon and you haven't forgotten. Oh, Ernie, I... I do hope I've been a good wife to you. And if there's anything I ever... I mean, if you want me to, I can always change. Oh, darling, I wouldn't want you any different for the world. I want you to stay just the same sweet little girl I married. And now, let's get some shut-eye, huh? Lights out? All right. And I'm going to put the tickets right here under the pillow. And have a happy dream for a change. <sighs> good night, Butch. You haven't kissed me. Good night, dear. again when death appears out of the darkness, wearing the face of one you know, and the clocks strike twelve for murder at midnight. The part of Helen was played by Elspeth Eric. Walter Vaughn was Ernie. With music by Charles Paul, Murder at Midnight was directed by Anton M. Leader.
This is your host to welcome you through the creaking door into the inner sanctum. Come in, come in. Tonight we're inaugurating a quiz. It's a cutthroat session called Take It or Drop Dead. To qualify, just tear off the top of your neighborhood mortician and send it to us by hair mail. <laughs> now, listen to this. Here's our terror tune. If you could guess the correct title of our morbid mazurka, in one scream or less, here are the prizes you'll win. A brand new 1949 stainless steel guillotine. Just the thing for whittling down your wife's overhead. And a handsome hand-tooled Florentine dagger. The knife without a conscience. And the take-it-or-drop-dead grand prize. A free, all-expense murder trial in a court of your own choosing. <laughs> Tonight's inner sanctum mystery, The Deadly Dummy, was written by Ed Adamson and Robert Sloan, and stars Mason Adams in the role of Steve with Elspeth Eric as Claire. Well, let's get to tonight's shivering shindig. Oh, by the way, let me warn you, all references to ghosts, living or dead, is anything but coincidental. Ready? All right. This is what happened to a guy named Steve Pearson. Why do you keep asking me the questions? Why don't you ask Marlowe? Ask him, Inspector. He'll tell you everything. I told you before, Pearson. Marlowe isn't here. He is. He's in this room sitting right there in that chair. That's just a ventriloquist dummy in the chair. You told me yourself Marlowe is dead. You don't understand. That dummy is Marlowe. I can prove it to you. That dummy is alive, real. All right, all right. So he's alive. You think I'm crazy. Go ahead, Pearson. Let's hear the story, all of it, from the beginning. It began when I went to work as Marlowe's assistant. He was billed as the great Marlowe. The great Marlowe. His audience has always thought he was a wonder. But they didn't know him like I did. You couldn't please him no matter how hard you tried. There wasn't a meaner man alive than Fred Marlowe. I would have quit him right at the start if it hadn't been for Claire. I only stayed because of her. Claire, she was warm and wonderful. And she was Marlowe's wife. Ah, oh, Steve. Claire. Claire, you gotta come away with me. Wouldn't do any good, Steve. He'd follow us wherever we went. You know him. He'd make our lives miserable. Oh, we can't go on this way. How much of this can we stand? We don't have to go on this way. What do you mean? If you really love me... Claire, we couldn't do a thing like that. You hate him as much as I do. But doing a thing like that... It isn't hard when you really hate. When you really love... Somebody will find out. They always find Not out. Not the way I've planned it. Ground glass. You'll drink it. But how? He'll know. No, he'll never suspect. It'll be during his act. What? That part where he drinks the water while the dummy whistles. You handle his props. All you have to do is put the powdered glass into the water pitcher before he goes on. He'll pour the drink himself. Yes. After he goes off, you can wash out the pitcher and the glass. There'll be no evidence. You do it, Steve? When? He's giving his last performance to Lido on Tuesday. Tuesday. 
It'll be Marlowe's last performance anywhere. I'm on next. Everything set, Steve? Yes, Mr. Marlowe, everything is set. You made sure of the water in the picture. Last night you almost forgot about that. It's in there now. I made doubly sure this time. All right, Petey, let's go. Ready, Marlowe. Well? Yes, sir? My last performance here. Aren't you coming out to watch? I'll be along in a moment. I wouldn't want you to miss it. We're going to be really great tonight. Aren't we, Petey? <laughs> you said it, Marlowe. Tonight we're going to knock them dead. <laughs> stood in the wings while Marlowe went through his act. It seemed like ages. Like he'd never get to the part we waited for. That's what I want to say to you. And then finally... He ain't talking about drinking. I'm a little thirsty myself. That was the cue. Now he was coming to it. So you won't join me? No, I'd never touch the stuff. <laughs> you go right ahead, Marlowe. I'll entertain the folks with a number while you dampen your tonsils. Okay, Petey. Take over. The water in the glass slowly emptied. A silent scream shook in my throat. Suddenly, I didn't want it to die. Hating him, there wasn't enough reason for killing him. I wanted to stop him. The scream in my throat begged for release. And then I felt Claire's hand grip mine. I turned to her. Her smile smothered the cry within me. Her hand tightened and pulled, and we walked away from the stage. Sent your wife for one, Marlowe. The pain, it, it feels like there's a fire inside of me. It won't bother you for long. Fire burning, cutting into me. Pearson, I'm dying. Yes, Marlowe, you're dying. Pearson, help me. Nothing can help you now. Don't die. The doctor will save me. He won't let me. There won't be any doctor. What? Claire didn't go for one. Claire, she wants me to die. She hates me. You and Claire, you both hate me. You did this to me. When you drank that water back at the Lido tonight, there was ground glass in it. No. Ground glass so finely powdered you couldn't see or feel it. Peachy. A dummy can't help you, Marlowe. Peachy, Peachy, I'm dying. Help me. <laughs> what? Oh, Marlowe, you're just a ham at heart. What? A real ham. Don't you think so, Steve? What is this? Oh, that deathbed scene of Marlowe's. Right off the cob. I thought it was quite good, Petey. Uh, strictly amateur night. Strictly. Marlowe. Marlowe, you... You're all right. You see, Petey? I had Pearson believing. But it can't be. You drank that water. I saw you. Yes, I drank that water. But you're all right. It, 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 it's not possible. Marlowe, you're killing our friend Steve with suspense. <laughs> Come on, give him a break. Of course. Here you are, Pearson. Here's your ground glass. Marlowe had known we were up to something. Somehow he had switched the container of ground glass I had bought. He let me leave his hotel room without another word. I didn't know what to do, what to expect. I waited. Three days went by. Then he sent for me. Sit down, Pearson. I'll be with you in a minute. Marlowe was busy packing a trunk. I sat there waiting. The dummy, Petey, was propped up on the table, his perpetual grin mocking my fear. Our friend looks kind of uncomfortable, Marlowe. Really, Petey? Why did you send for me, Marlowe? Clara and I are sailing for South America tonight. I suppose you're curious as to what I'm going to do about you. All right. What are you going to do? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. 
I just wanted to tell you about Claire, Steve. She's poison. Petey never did like Claire. Marlowe's a sucker for that dame. <laughs> yeah, I guess she never told you that she tried to have Marlowe knocked off before. Yeah, there was another guy had the job before you. Claire fed him the same line. He's lying, Marlowe. Why don't you ask her? She'll be back soon. Claire wants Marlowe's money, but not Marlowe. <laughs> She was just using you. Shut up. She'd give you the go-by so fast. Shut up, I said. You're out of her class. She wouldn't want you in a million. This will shut you up. I'll break you into a million pieces. (laughs) You're a fool, Pearson. You forget there are other Peaties. After all, they're only me. Remember? So you see, the only sure way to shut them up is to stop me. Hmm? Marlowe taunted me with a sickening laughter. I couldn't stand it. I had to stop her some way. I felt along the table behind me. My hand came across the heavy glass ashtray. I gripped it tightly, then brought it up from behind. He slumped to the floor. The grin was still on his face. I bent down over him. He was breathing. I hit him again. Marlowe was dead. You shouldn't have done that, Steve. It was the dummy talking. I heard him. He lay on the floor. I had crushed him into a hundred pieces. But they were his words, his voice. You can't get away with murder. You'll see, Steve. That dummy did talk. Steve, it couldn't be. But I heard him. He talked to me, Claire. He talked Steve, to me. Steve, get hold of yourself. You're just in your mind, that's all. You shouldn't have done it. If you'd only waited, we would have found a safe way. Someone's at the door. We can't open it. You've got to. His body on the floor now. Here, help me. What are you going to do? Put him in the trunk. Close the top and lock it. You stay here. I'll go to the door. Marlowe's room? Yes. I come for the trunk, lady. Oh, there must be some mistake. Well, that's a trunk, ain't it? That's what I come for. Mrs. Marlowe said you're mistaken. Look, mister, I got an order here. See? One trunk, number 3468. That's the number on the tag of this here trunk. Now, listen. The order says this trunk goes to stateroom 3D on the Tregania. That's what it says. Again, yourselves tonight. Now, do I take this here trunk or don't I? Yes, yes. I, I'm sorry. That was our mistake. But, Claire. Please, take the trunk. Okay, lady. Hey. What do you got in this here trunk anyway? A dead body. What? What do you mean by that? Forget it, missus. It's just a keg. How about one of you two hold the door? Yes, I'll do it for you. Thanks, Claire, what's wrong with you? Why did you let him take it? Don't you see, Steve? See what? This is a way out for us. His body won't be found here, and we're safe. Now he's gone forever. Nobody will ever know. No one? What about me? Claire. Tell her about me, Steve. It's him. Now you can believe me. Steve, what's wrong? Dummy, you heard him. Just your nerves, darling. No, he spoke. That's right, Steve. You tell her. There he is again. Steve, where are you going? I've got to find that dummy. He's someplace in this room. Hello, Steve. 
looking for me? The dummy was propped up against the closet wall. He looked at me with the same evil grin as the one I had crushed to pieces. Please, please stop staring that way. I'll burn him, every rotten fiber of him. I'll burn him to an ash. Then he'll never talk again. Please believe me, he didn't talk. It's just your imagination. I'm not crazy. I heard him. So did you, only you're too afraid to admit it. He couldn't talk without Marlowe. Marlowe would have to be alive for that dummy to speak. What? What'd you say? Marlowe would have to be alive. You know that. Yes, yes, that's right. What's the matter with me? Yes, he would have to be alive. You see, it was just your imagination. Then Marlowe isn't dead. Oh, now, Steve, please. He wasn't dead when you put him into the trunk. He just wanted us to think Steve. he was. I didn't kill him. He wasn't dead. That's why the dummy talked. Marlowe can do tricks like that. Come on, Claire. We've got to hurry. No, wait, wait. We've got to get there fast. Claire, Steve, what are you talking Marlo about? Marlowe's stateroom on the boat. He'll be there in the trunk. I've got to make sure he's dead. <laughs> On this deck, Claire. 3D, there it is. There's the trunk in the corner over there. Give me the key. Oh, Steve, we shouldn't have come here. I said, give me the key. Don't, Steve, please don't open it. He is dead in there. I know you. Yeah. me. I grabbed a purse and took out the key. I unlocked the trunk and I pulled up the lid. Marlowe was in there, motionless. When I touched him, he was cold. Marlowe was dead, all right. But there was something else in the trunk with him. At his feet. And the same grin was on his wooden face. Hello, Steve. <laughs> I knew you'd come. I was waiting for you. Here, Steve, drink this. Oh, I don't know what happened to me. Everything went black. You fainted. You were right. Marlowe is dead. But that dummy, I heard him speak. No, Steve, it's just as I told you. You only heard it in your mind. He didn't really talk. Oh, Claire, Claire. Those things happen, and now it's over, and you'll never hear it again. Can you get out? Yeah, I'm all right now. We've got to get off this boat before somebody sees us. I ruined everything. No, we're still safe. Nobody knows we came here. You go first. That'll be the best way. I'll follow in a moment. Yes, I'll meet you on the pier. All right. How do you do, ma'am? Oh! Oh, sorry to give you such a joke. My name is Igginsman. I'm your steward. Just stop by so we'd know each other. Time was against us. We were too late in getting out of that stateroom. That steward would remember Claire. Steve, what are we going to do? There was only one chance. With Marlowe's body in that trunk, there was only one thing we could do. I had Claire ring for the steward. Mr. Marlowe and I have decided to cancel our trip. But, Would you but, please have the porters come for our trunk and take it to the pier? Well, I'm sorry, Mrs. Marlowe, but that won't be possible. What? what? Well, in the excitement, ma'am, you probably didn't notice. Notice? What are you talking about? Our departure. We sailed 20 minutes ago. We had walked into a trap of our own making. A trap that was snapped closed on us by a dead man. Marlowe was a cold corpse in that trunk, but we were held by his invisible grip. Steve, there's still a chance we can get out of this. You mean if his body isn't found in that trunk? We'll arrange it so his body will never be found. We'll do it tonight when the deck outside is dark and deserted. You'll see, Steve. We'll be really rid of Marlowe this time. You'll see. Early in the evening, a storm came up and grew worse with the passing hours. 
About 11 o'clock, I made a careful check of the promenade deck outside the stateroom. It was completely deserted. We supported Marlowe's body between us and carried it toward the darkened space at the end of the deck. In the morning, I'll report my husband is missing. Now, ask a lot of questions. I'll have all the answers, just the way we planned them. Tell him how he often gets up at night to go for a walk. And the dizzy spells. Yes. Another of his dizzy spells. That's how it must have happened. Another terrible dizzy spell and he fell overboard. Meantime, Steve, you'll have to hide. I found a place in one of the lifeboats. We'll meet every night. Wait, wait. What is it? I thought I saw somebody down that way. I don't see anyone. It was probably just a shadow. Come on, let's get this over with. You can help me lift him to the rail. All right. Now push. Gone, Steve. Yes, Claire. That's the end of Marlowe. Now he can live. Really live. Will you kiss me, Steve? Will I kiss you? Come here. Oh, Steve. Oh. I beg your pardon. I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm looking for someone. I thought he might be with you. There was no one with us. No, we're alone. I see. I thought I saw three people walk over here. No. It's so dark, I must have been mistaken. Yes, it is dark. The man I'm looking for is Mr. Marlowe. What? Do you happen to know him? Ah. My name is Marlowe. Then you're the gentleman I'm looking for. My name is Ralph Kramer, Mr. Marlowe. Kramer. Are you all right, Mr. Marlowe? Yes, yes, I'm fine. Why? I just wanted to be sure. By the way, I received your letter... Letter. Don't you remember? Uh, uh, no, not exactly. Oh, I can understand. You're a busy man, Mr. Marlowe. Well, just to refresh your memory, I'm in charge of entertainment here on the boat. I found out last week that you had booked passage. So I wrote to you asking you to consent to be one of the features in our theatrical tomorrow night. And I replied? You were very kind, Mr. Marlowe. You said yes. I just stopped by thank you and say that we're all looking forward to your performance tomorrow evening. <laughs> You've got to keep trying. There isn't much time left. It won't work, Claire. Well, it will. You know Marlowe's act. You've understudied him. You went on for him in Cleveland, remember? I know, but I can't do it now. I can't get it. It'll come to you, darling. Now, just keep trying. Go on, Steve, please. Try again. All right. Tell me, Petey, don't you and your girlfriend, Phoebe, ever have a difference of opinion? Sure, Marlowe. But I wouldn't dare tell her about it. Oh, you see, Claire, it's no good. And you're doing fine. Don't tell me. I know it's rotten. Tell him I'm not going on. Steve, it means our lives. You've got to go through with it. Sure. You can do it, Steve. I'll see you through. Claire. What's wrong? What is it? The dummy just talked, and I didn't do it. He said, you can do it, Steve. I'll see you through. You heard him, didn't you? No. Don't let her kid you, Steve. Mary said something again. You didn't hear that either. Oh, now, Steve, don't. You've got to pull yourself together. Yes, Dame can really play angles, can't she, friend? Yes, she really can. Well, who are you talking to? You know who I'm talking to. You know all about it. Go ahead, Steve. You tell her. You're making that dummy talk, Claire. It was you all the time. You don't know what you're saying. You're trying to drive me crazy. That's why you're doing it. Now I know what Marlowe said about you was true. You were just using it. No, Steve. You I... wanted Marlowe dead. You wanted his money. Just as he said you were playing me for a sucker. Steve, don't look at me that way. Oh, I can see you for the first time. What you're real. Don't you're... come near me. You are the same evil grin as that dummy. Because that's what you are. Something inhuman. No, stay away. Something mean and vicious and bad. Steve. <laughs> Steve. My hands grip the throat. I squeeze tighter and tighter. My nails digging deep into the soft flesh. The color slowly drained out of her face. 
There was a final gasp, and then she stopped moving. She was like a rag doll in my hands. I stood there holding her lifeless body. Then after a while, I heard a knock on the door. Miss Marlowe! Miss Marlowe, it's Ralph Kramer! Mr. Kramer? What? What is it? The show stop is. You're out in five minutes. All right, Kramer. I'll be there. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we take extreme pleasure in presenting the great Marlowe. I sat there with a dummy on my knee and looked out on into the sea of faces. All the men had the same face. It was Marlowe's. The women were Claire. I tried not to look at them. Come on, Steve. The dummy whispered to me. Come on. I told you I'd see you through. Let's go. <clears throat> Petey, I want you to meet the folks. Hiya, folks. By the way, Steve. Fool, it's Marlowe. Marlowe. Uh, who was that lady I saw you with last night? Uh, uh, last night? Uh, that was no lady. That was... Now, uh... you're not going to tell me it was your wife. <laughs> Because I know whose wife she was. Sort of a deadhead, isn't she, Steve? I told you not to call me Steve. You'll give it away. I warned you about that dame, remember? I told you she was playing you for a sucker. Stop talking about her. We've got to get back on the routine. Ah, uh, the routine. Yeah, that's what she gave you. Cut it out. Cut it out. Hey, with ground glass, huh? Stop to help me, I'll choke you. Uh, how do you like this guy, folks? He wants to choke me and cut his best part off. One more wrong word. This will kill you, folks. Uh, wait till you hear the story I'm going to tell you. Oh. And it's no joke. Oh. Uh, you think this is Marlowe here, huh? Don't listen to him. He's lying. You can't stop me now. It's too late, Steve. Don't listen to him, please. He doesn't know what he's saying. He, he's going to tell you lies. He's going to tell you I'm a murderer, but don't believe him. Make him stop laughing. Get him out of here. Somebody make him stop, please. That's it, Inspector. That's the whole story of what happened. It was all because of the dummy on that chair there. You give us a lawyer's name and we'll call him. I don't think a lawyer would do me much good now. That's up to you, Payson. I'll think it over. Okay, Roberts, take him downstairs. I don't suppose you'll need me any longer, Inspector? Uh, just one question, Kramer. Uh, what is that? Why did you hear the dummy say that night when Pearson tried to go through with Marlowe's act? Oh, the dummy didn't say a word. Pearson was up there on the stage uh, talking to himself. Well, that closes tonight's cadaverous chapter. Poor Steve Pearson, he just couldn't help double-talking himself into a knot, the kind the hangman ties. Now he's in a grave condition. But it's his own fault, you know. His dummy done told him. You know, the real reason he killed Claire is because he figured two dead heads are better than one. Well, anyway, all's well that ends dreary. Yes, as we say here in the inner sanctum, the end always justifies the screams. <laughs> inner sanctum is heard each week in the United States over CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System and has been rebroadcast for servicemen and women overseas through the facilities 
of the United States Armed Forces Radio Service, the voice of information and education. lowest ebb. Midnight, when the graves gape open and death strikes. How? You'll learn the answer in just a minute in Till Death Do Us Part. Terror by Radio's Masters of the Macabre. Our story by Joseph Ruskell is Till Death Do Us Part. I never saw a man who looked with such a wistful eye upon that little tent of blue which prisoners call the sky. Ruth, I want to tell you something. Put down that book and listen. Hmm? I love you. <laughs> some love too little, some too long. Some sell and others buy. Some do the deed with many tears and some without a sigh. You hear me, Ruth? I love you. Some do it with a bitter look. Some with a flattering word. Professor Clark. <laughs> yes, Professor Clark. Love me, darling. Wildly? Put the book away. Almost there now. Bridal sweet waiting. Oh, Frank. Promise you'll always love me. Till death do us part. Another glass, darling. Come on. It's sweet to dance to violins when love and life are fair. To dance to flute. To dance to loot is delicate and rare. But it is not so sweet with nimble feet to... Uh... To dance upon the air. 
Frank. Darling. You've hardly kissed me. Why are you looking at me like that? You're so lovely. Come over here to the couch. <laughs> A shy bridegroom in this day and age? Darling, why are you acting so strangely? Well, if the mountain won't come to Mohammed... Come here, my lord and master. Kiss me. Oh, Ruth, I love you so much. <sighs> Darling, why do you keep staring at me like that? Frank! Ruth, no. <gasps> Darling, what's the matter? I don't know. Please, Frank, after all... No, don't come near me. Don't touch I... me. Ruth, something terrible is happening to me. It's a feeling... It's too dreadful to believe. What is it? When I take you in my arms, when I kiss you, I love you and I want you so that I feel a hideous urge to... To what, darling? To strangle you to death. Shaving. Finishing up now. Morning, Professor. Morning, Professor. Life is wonderful. Wonderful. How? <laughs> Thank you. Leave us into the parlor, husband. Yes. Leave us eat, my bride. <laughs> <laughs> ah! What, what feast is this that tempts me palate? Fall to, spouse. <laughs> ah! Citrus! My favorite ice squirt. <laughs> I, I'm so happy, I feel like dancing. It's sweet to dance to violin. Yeah, that's right, how's it go? It's sweet to dance to violin. When love and life are fair. Eat, dear. What's wrong? I guess I'm not very hungry. Frank, you're thinking of that incident last night again. You are, aren't you? How could I have said that to you? I can't understand it. What got into me? Now, darling, you're to forget it. Don't talk about it anymore. Don't even think of it. It was just your little joke. Some joke. Wonder I didn't frighten you to death. Well. The funny thing is, the next minute I was laughing at myself, and so were you. But when I said it, I... Ruth, I... I, I, I can't explain it. I can't eat now. Frank. It was like an obsession. Yes, that's it. It, 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 it was... It, it was an obsession. Ruth, you're a psychologist. What does it mean? To have felt that horrible urge to to do that to you. To you, I must have been mad. Now, darling, don't say that. Don't spoil our honeymoon with this nonsense. You'll be talking things into yourself. I don't know what it is. Your, your nerves are on edge from your accident, that terrible crash just three months ago. Please, Ruth, please, I don't want to think about it. I can still see it, that horrible, twisted wreckage. Well, you're lucky you're alive. Be thankful, I She am. was hitting 80, showing off. I couldn't stop her, that daffy little sister of yours. Darling. I'm sorry, dear. I'm sorry. I guess I felt as awful about it as you did. Brilliant student could have been one of my best if she'd ever opened a book. The poor kid, what a way to die. Maybe if I, if I hadn't accepted a lift to town, who knows, she might still now, be... Now, please, please, darling, let's forget it not good for you. You haven't been at all yourself ever since then. No, I haven't. Have I? Well, everything has its compensation, dear. After all, that's what brought us together. Closely, I mean. Yes, that's right. In the hospital, but you were an angel. Oh. Well, you were just an angel from heaven, the way you helped to nurse me through all that time. 
when I was only half conscious, nursed me and read to me? Read to me? Yes, the way you read to me. Why do you say it like that, Frank? Well, I don't know. There's something you read to me over and over when I was barely conscious. I've heard it ever since, deep down. I can't seem to recall it, but I feel that it had something to do with my crazy behavior last night. A, a line. It's still with me. It never seems to leave me. It seems to make me want to do something horrible. Now, Frank, stop talking. You're ill again. You're pale as a ghost. What is that line? I've got to know. Please, darling, please stop shouting. I'm with you. Your love is with you. Now, now kiss me, dear. Hold me tight. Oh, so lovely. Everything about you. Your eyes, your lips, your lovely white throat. I feel it pulsing. I can feel your throat pulsing, darling, in my hands. Pulsing. No, Frank. You're hurting me. Oh, you're choking me. No! Yes, sir. I'm checking out. Uh, room number 438. Uh, call me a cab. From the bridal suite? Well, just a moment. There's something wrong, sir. You and your wife just checked in last night. Any complaint? No, no complaint. Just call me a cab. Oh, an emergency. What business is it of yours? Where's another hotel? Why, you'll find it very difficult in New York without a reservation. And if you and your wife... I'm only... checking out. Who said anything about my wife? She's better off without me, do you hear? Well, what are you gawking at? She's very lovely, remember? Would she make a nice corpse in a bridal suite? <laughs> oh, go to the devil. Where to now, mister? Where now? Uh, just shake off that other cat. I did. Three hours ago. I told you ten times. What now? Just drive around the park. We've been around and around and around. How long can this go on? That line. What was that line? What was it? Huh? What was that line? Look, pal, we going over that again, too? What line? You want the seventh avenue line? If I'm not talking out of turn, but you must have lifted quite a few today. Get me to a hotel. We tried a dozen. Remember, they're full up. Hey, just who are you, mister? What's your racket? What's that to you? Okay, okay, I just asked. I was a teacher, cabby, in a woman's college. But that's only a blind. My name is Jack the Ripper, see? But some people just called me Bluebeard. Bluebeard. <laughs> huh? This is the end of my line, chum. Pay up and get out. No, no, I won't. You can't make me get out. You can't. I can't, huh? No, because if I do get out, I may go back. And if I go back, don't you understand? I'll kill her. For richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health till death do us part. A bridegroom, dazed and obsessed, standing on a city street, fearing to return to his bride, because he knows if he does, it will mean 
Charming boarding house. You're drunk. Forsooth, tis true. May I tarry the night? No vacancies. Go on now, get on your way. Where's his room? Top floor, rear, Mrs. Clark. He came in about an hour ago, drunk as you please, and he asked for a single. I'm not one to rent to drunks, mind you, but uh, I can see he's really educated. And a gentleman, though a queer one, if you ask me, with his eyes all bloodshot. Well, here it is. Did he say when he'll be back? He said he was going for his bags. I'll just wait in his room, if you don't mind. Hmm. It's all right. I'm his wife, I tell you. Well, I don't know. Something mighty fishy about all this. Well, excuse me, there's the hall phone. It's not one thing, it's another. All right, all right. Hello? Yes? Who? Who? Oh, just a minute. It's him, ma'am. He wants to talk to the lady who just came in. Let me speak to him. Hello, Frank. I saw you go in. What are you doing in my house? Darling, it's so good to hear your voice again. I was so worried. Answer me. What are you doing there? How did you know where to find me? I've been following you everywhere. I don't want you to leave me, darling. I love you. Get out of there. Stop haunting me. I'm no good for you. Haven't you had enough? Go away. I won't. You need me. I'm your wife. Come back to me, Frank. Come back. How can you still want me? What are you inviting? Why don't you take a train home? Do you want to die? You know I'll kill you the next time we're alone. You know I've gone mad. Now, don't say that. You're just ill, and I'll nurse you back to health. Oh, Frank, this is your wife talking. What sort of spineless thing do you suppose you've married? What would you have me do, run to the police and ask them to protect me from my husband? Run to the police and cry that the man I love wants to kill me? Run to the police and police, tell Police, him... that's right. Of course. Why didn't I think of that before? No, Frank. Frank. Frank, what are you going to do? Have a seat, Mrs. Clark. What is it you want of me, Inspector Wade? Why was I called here to the police station? You've no idea? No. Oh. Is he here, my husband? He told you? But I thought he was just drunk. Oh, I told him not to come here. I told him not to. Then it's all true? <laughs> this beats anything I've ever heard. Man loves wife so much he wants to strangle her. Kisses her. Gets an irresistible yen to choke her to death. And on their honeymoon. You want to prefer charges? Prefer charges? What for? Well, attempted homicide ought to cover it. I won't. He's my husband. I love him. I'll stick by him no matter what. But he ought to at least be sent to Bellevue for a mental... Oh, no, you won't. There's nothing mentally wrong with Frank. Nothing at all. It's simply nerves, the result of an accident he had recently. 
This really takes the cake. Mrs. Clark, another thing that puzzles me. Yes. He kept raving about a line when he staggered in here, as if it were life or death. A line of poetry he couldn't remember. Wanted me to tell him what it was. <laughs> Confidentially, I've only read one poem in my life. Now, now, what's what's that all about? I haven't the vaguest notion, Inspector. Just part of his neurotic state, I suppose. When we get back to our hotel room, What? I... You want him back after what happened? Yes. Don't you see, I must cure him of that awful obsession. Who else can do it but me? I I'd like to see him now, Inspector. Please release him to me. I'll take the consequences. He's not here. Not here? No. We held him overnight just to let him sober up like we would any other drunk. Well, it was just all boozy eyewash. Well, this morning he seemed a new man and laughed it all off. So we released him. Just a few minutes ago. Oh, wonderful. But then I had a hunch I ought to warn you anyway. Just a hunch. Warn me? Yeah. He said he was going to call on you tonight at the hotel for a little reunion. Oh, how marvelous. Maybe he's all cured. I don't know. I didn't like the way he, he smiled when he said it. Mrs. Clark... After what you just told me, I think I ought to have him picked up again. You'll do no such thing. It's taking your life in your hands. I think he's got wheels in his head. I don't care. I love him. You die just as dead when you're in love. I'm not afraid. I'll never leave him. Certainly not now when he needs me more than ever. Is that all, Inspector? Okay, lady. <laughs> you're 14 carat. He sure doesn't deserve a wife like you. And don't say I didn't warn you. It's your funeral. Thank you, Inspector. Goodbye. Oh, uh, Mrs. Clark... There's one more thing perhaps I ought to tell you. Yes. When I released him just a while ago, he said something else that puzzled me. That being in jail had suddenly given him revelation. He smiled very queerly when he said it. Oh? I think maybe uh, he found that line of poetry, Mrs. Clark. Hello? Ruth? Where are you, Frank? In the lobby. Come up. I don't know exactly what your game is, my sweet bride. But I'm warning you. I've had a revelation. I know. It's high time. I'm going to finish it, Ruth, this time. You asked for it. Come up, Frank. Sure? Sure. Your funeral. Howard does it with a kiss. Come in, Frank. The door's open. Throwing a party, my dear? Yes. Who's invited? You and I. What are we celebrating? An uninvited guest at our honeymoon. Death has come with you, hasn't it, this time? Yes. Shall we drink to him? Why not? Do you still love me, Frank? Yes, I still love you. But I love you better when you're dead for what you've done. How much do you know? Not enough. It came to me in jail last night. The jail had something to do with it. How, I still don't know. But enough to make me remember something you whispered in the hospital when I was just coming to. You said... 
I'll get my revenge, Frank. Do you hear me? I'll get my revenge. Splendid. E from memory. What else? Enough to make me realize that you hate me and have always hated me, although you pretended otherwise. Brilliant. Say loved and hated you. Go on. And that somehow, I don't know myself in what way, but I'm sure it must be a very clever way, as your psychology students would agree, you've been coldly, deliberately torturing me, trying to make me think myself a maniac, or have others think so. Close enough. Why, what I can't understand is why you did it, or why you weren't afraid that I'd really murder you. You'll soon find out. And I'm convinced now that you've done it all with a single line. A single line of poetry. In my jail cell, I was sure of it. The very walls seemed to tell me, I don't know why, that it was a line that you kept reading to me at the hospital over and over and over again that made me think I wanted to kill you. And what was that line? That's what I'm going to find out right now. Don't come any closer, Professor. You know, it's perfectly ridiculous. Looking at you now, close to you where I can almost touch you, that crazy obsession is still with me. I laugh at it intellectually. I know that you've tricked me into it by some very obvious power of suggestion, but I still... I still feel that way. Don't come any nearer. I'm warning you. Isn't it eerie? I still love you and can strangle you for my love. And will. Uh, Stay where you are. You're not going to kill me, darling. I'm going to kill you. Now, do you see why I wasn't afraid of you? That gun. You've had it all the time. Correct, my love. Right here in the wine table drawer. I've planned this all along, Angel, from the very first. Before we were even married. Yes, your intuition was right. From the day you and my little sister were brought to the hospital after the accident. From the day she died. And the doctor said you'd pull through. I planned it all. And it's worked out like a perfect equation every step of the way. Why? Why? I had to commit the perfect crime, and I've done it. Even the police will testify that it was self-defense against a homicidal maniac. And when they find you here with a bullet in your head, they'll congratulate me. But what's this? I still don't understand. It had to be the perfect crime because I must go free. You see, one life has already paid for yours. And court for court, your blood is worth no more than my family's. I don't understand this at all. What did I ever do? You killed my sister. I killed her? She told me before she left on that drive with you that she was going to crash the car. She left before I could stop her. She told me everything, Frank, including what you'd done to her. Everything. I see. So that's it. Well, I don't suppose it would be of any use my trying to convince you. No, no use. I've waited a long time for this moment. Revenge is sweet. And it was such fun to torture you. I used a weapon I knew. Of course, it was power of suggestion. Sure, you guessed it. But what a pity you don't know the line yet. What was it? What was it? Tell me. Tell me. Don't keep me in torture. Keep back. Think hard, Frank. Think all around it. What about a jail and the revelation it gave you? What about a famous poet who wrote a famous poem while in jail? Why... Yes, yes? Oscar Wilde. That's it. Yes, that's it from Oscar Wilde. A ballad. Of course, a ballad. The ballad of Reading Jail. How could it ever have escaped me? Why, you witch, you 
even been reading from it on our honeymoon. <laughs> but what part? What verse? What line? What was the line? Don't take another step or I'll pull the trigger. Give me the line. I say I still can't think of the line. Keep that, keep that or I'll shoot. Oh, no, you won't. One more step and I'll shoot. Tell me that line or I'll kill you. <laughs> They love. Remember, Frank? How's the next line go, Mrs. Clark? <laughs> By all, let this be heard. So I heard. Too bad I was a little late. Inspector Wade. You know, ma'am, like I said, I only read one poem in my whole life. But ain't it the darndest thing? It happened to be the Ballad of Reading Jail. Till death do us part, a honeymoon in the bridal suite, red wine spilled on the table, and red blood on the floor as the clock strikes twelve for... again when death's key turns in the lock and the clocks strike twelve for murder at midnight. The part of Professor Ruth Clark was played by Elspeth Eric, Professor Frank Clark by Eric Dressler. With music by Charles Paul, Murder at Midnight was directed by Anton M. Leader. that does it for Miss Elsbeth Eric in her performance on the show for this morning. Please join me later on tonight as I bring Mr. Bob Hope back to the show in two episodes guaranteed to tickle our funny bone. I hope you guys have really enjoyed my podcast. I really do appreciate all the new subscribers. Thank you very much, guys. I really, really do appreciate it. You guys can listen to my podcast available on Spotify, Google, Apple, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Just type in mystery and comedy, 
Old Time Radio Podcast. And please go back to the first episode on Mr. Orson Welles that I did last year. And listen from there and see what you think. And welcome in the coming weeks, guys, such stars as Joseph Kearns, Miss Doris Day, Miss Isla Lapino, and many others. Have a great day, guys, and always remember to enjoy the show. Thanks. <laughs>